Mission First Tactical is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead Podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. Okay, Leadheads, as promised, here is part two of our interview with Chief Warrant Officer Greg Coker, and we're picking up right where we left off. He was telling us about the time that he was shot down, didn't crash, was shot down um, when he was doing an operation outside of Fallujah. So I started it at the beginning of when he started that tale just uh, for your convenience. So no thanks necessary. But dive in. He's got more stories to tell. We talk more about blades. We answer your listener questions and more. And while you guys are listening to this episode, go ahead and go to Greg's website, Blades for Brothers, which he started that company to empower and enrich the lives of America's veterans, combat wounded veterans, first responders, and families of fallen service members to help them through their troubles. And then he's also got a link on there uh, where you can go and check out his book, Death Waits in the Dark, Six Guns Don't Miss, which he goes into even more stories and details about his 22 years of service. So he's got some amazing stories in that book. So go check it out. Go buy a copy. Hit him up on the Instagrams. And he's at Blades for Brothers on the Instagrams. Let him know you heard him here on the show and you appreciate him taking the time to be on and share his stories and to keep up the great work. Whiskey River Beef, farm to table with a twist. Come along with us on a quest towards achieving self-sufficiency in food production and fostering a robust local food source to promote good health. Stock up with premium Tennessee beef, unparalleled in flavor and tenderness. You can be confident that you're receiving beef with no added growth hormones or implants. Always pasture-raised, locally USDA processed, and shipped straight to your home. Whiskey River Beef is grass and whiskey mash fed and finished and is at least 14 days dry aged to enhance the tenderness and give you the most robust flavor imaginable. Go to whiskeyriverbeef.com today to order. Visit us on Instagram at Whiskey River Life and on Facebook at Whiskey River Beef LLC. So yeah, we awful. didn't talk about the crash. So let's get back to the crash. We we chase squirrels on this show, Greg. <laughs> yes, we do. Now I want to get one thing clear. All right. I did not crash. I got shot down. Okay. You didn't screw all the poop. My buddies, all my buddies said like, "Hey, Gravy, tell us about your crash." I'm like, "I didn't crash. I got shot down. That's different." So, okay, so. And I'll proceed it with 18 March 2004. So we're operating in Fallujah, Ramadi, real heavy. The insurgency is building. It started about October, November 03. You know, everybody came to jihad against the Americans. That's We were all centrally located. So the terrorists like, well, heck, let's just go there and fight them, you know? So we started to see a big influx of... of uh, Terrorists, yes, in Iraq. So, gosh, man, we've been we've been going and blowing for days, and we hit a target in Fallujah. Well, we hit several. We'd hit, depending on winter or summer, and this was you know late winter, so we could hit five, six, seven targets a night because we have more darkness, yeah, than we do in the summertime. 
summertime we're lucky to hit four and you guys only operate at night because you are the night stalkers yes we're not day stalkers we're <laughs> night stalkers. So, yeah and the units we support are also night fighters so yeah so we got some intel off of the target that another high value terrorist we were hunting was going to be at a meeting at 10 o'clock that morning in Fallujah. Okay. Now let me set the stage for Fallujah, Iraq in 2004. Okay. It was the wild, wild west. I mean, it was crazy. We were in gunfights every night, every night, multiple times per night. And so from, I'm going to try to draw a picture for you. So if you look at Fallujah and then west to Ramadi and then kind of southeast down to Amaria, that makes a triangle. Here, let me okay. pull up a map. Sure. Spell Fallujah. F-A-L-L. It's spelled different couple ways. Uh, U-J-A, there it is. Yeah. Fallujah, let's go to Maps. All right, Fallujah to to and Ram then west to Ramadi. There's Ramadi, yeah, and then kind of to the southeast, just east of the lake. There's a little town called Amaria. I don't even know if it'd be on there. It's Keep going nice. down south, dude. Not that far south. There's a Al. Rahala. No, it, no it's further north than there. Yeah, it's kind of small. Yeah, they're there, not there was a lot, of, a lot of terrorists so there. So some, something that like triangle, this. Yep. So in that triangle, God, there were thousands of foreign fighters. Thousands, right? So we get, you know, intel hunting Al-Qaeda networks. So we hit a target in Fallujah that night. We got intel. There's this high value target we were hunting. He was going to be at a meeting at 10 o'clock in the morning on the 19th in Fallujah. Right. Of course, we were like, oh, God, daytime. No, no, no. Anyway, so troop commander, sergeant major, they're like, hey, here's what we're going to do. AHs, you guys just, we had a little staging area just east of Fallujah. It's like, you guys just stay here, crank up. And then we're going to go hit the target. And if we need fire support, we'll call you. And we could be there in you know, a couple minutes. Right. Pretty quick. So that's what we did. They hit that target. They got some more intel that a, another dude we were hunting was in Amaria, down south. So Sergeant Major said, hey, AHs, you guys go back to Baghdad and get some rest and we like i said we've been going non-stop for days and days and days so we're like roger that so they the ground force said hey we're just going to drive down there and kill the guy and then we're going to go back to baghdad okay so we go back to baghdad and it was i don't know around 12 30 ish that guys came running in says hey they 
they uh, the recce guys got hit. They're in a tick. Troops in contact. A TIC. We just call it a tick. Tick. Okay. It stands for troops in contact. So they'd been ambushed. So the four of us, we ran out to our H's, cranked up. You know, it was a ten minute flight, ten twelve minute flight out there to them. So we get on station and uh, start holding. We make comms with the ground force, and it, it was uh, it was B Squadron Delta, and you know, trying to get an update or a situation report. And is everybody okay? And yeah, and we did a couple engagements. Dudes were trying to flank. It appeared and engaged them, terminated them, and then you know we were all just like. God, man, daytime, we're in the worst possible place on earth yeah. right now for bad guys, and we're in little black helicopters. Oh, gosh, I remember on October 3rd, 1993, in a little place called Mogadishu, Somalia, Oh, same thing. Day hit, Black Hawk down, ugh. And for me personally... I mean, the hair, when I cranked my helicopter, the hair stood up on the back of my neck. I was like, man, okay, we're going. And my co-pilot, he was brand new. I mean, brand, brand new to the company, but we were just, we were short guys. And, you know, there's at any one time, there's only, I think then, there are only 22 men on the planet that do what we do. And that's fly A6 attack helicopters providing Special Operations Ground Forces with Surgical Precision Fire Support. We are fire supporters. We're you have a very specific not, job. Very specific. And the Ground Force has full faith and confidence in our abilities to shoot extremely close to them. Okay? We train with live people running on the ground. We train with live ammo. Every training iteration is a live fire. But that's how we train, and that's why they are the best on the planet, bar none. I spent 15 years there. And, oh, by the way, we're also very, very close. We love one another very much. And, and we always know that if anything bad happens to us, they will come get us. And they know if anything bad happens to them, like today, we're going to come help you. We're going to come get you. So kind of an unwritten rule between us and you know just flying out there man i mean i was just hypersensitive of course i hate flying during the daytime it's scary i like i like those tubes in front of my eyes and my world's green i am safe i actually fly better at night (laughs) (laughs) night you probably got got more hours with those don't you yeah yeah probably got more hours flying with nods than not yeah, I got I got over six thousand hours flying on MBGs. Holy shit! Yeah, I got more time under MBGs than most guys have flying. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So it, everybody was hypersensitive, but the, but the guys were in trouble, and we didn't have a clear picture of what was going on on the ground. You know, had they taken casualties? Did they need to break contact? How big a force? So we hauled ass, man. We and where are you picking them up at again? Pardon? Where are you where are you hauling ass to? Down to Amaria. 
that where that where that, that recce team went to go kill that guy down south of that lake there. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. South of Fallujah, I think it's about fourteen miles, something like that, from south of Fallujah. And we were in Baghdad at Baghdad International Airport. That's where we were all living then. Okay. And then we later on in like '05 moved up to Balad. Anyway. See, and I, I told my co-pilot, or in our SOP and B company, whoever's not flying, you've got your M4 up, ready to engage or suppress. Or, right. That's how we do business. And I told him, I said, dude, I said, you, if you even think, man, I want you to start suppressing or shooting them. And, and we do have a training program that, that I actually developed back in the early 90s. It's called HARM, Helicopter Aerial Rifle Marksmanship. And I can guarantee a first shot hit at 80 knots and 100 yards from a target shooting out of a moving object. So there, there's some science to it. But anyway, and we train that stuff all the time. But so we get on station and make, make communication, make comms with the ground force and get a situation report, what's going on and they had all they had done what they needed to do and they were all lined up on a on this road and and now we're just in overwatch we're just we fly a circle around whoever we're protecting right they had two panders which is an armored big six-wheeled armored vehicle and then they had three gun trucks so they're humvees up armored and then they have 50s, and then one truck had dual 240s in it. And then the Rangers manned those guns in the trucks. So, yeah, we're overhead, and we're just we're doing close reconnaissance or reccees. You know, make sure nobody's trying to get to them or flank them or do whatever. And, and it was about 1.13.15, so 1.15 p.m. Iraq time. And the troop commander just called and said, "Hey, we're going, we're going to the house." We're like, "Roger that, man. Let's get this <laughs> hell out of here, dude. It's, I mean, it's a bad, bad place." Yeah. So we're exposed here. Get us out of here. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I did. I kept thinking of, you know, Mike Grant and Shugart and Gordo and all those guys that Elvis, all those guys that were. You know, there in the Moog that day, and I was like, doggone, man, we've got to get out of here. Of course, I was I was probably 10 feet off the deck, and I'd pop up. And I'd, I didn't want to, you know, straighten level. We both were moving targets so they can't hit you, yeah. I mean, that's what, we're, that's what we do and we're trying to do. And keeps us alive. And, I, and I just, I'd, I'd come around, and I did a real low pass over the trucks, you know, and I was turning up on the side, and we, you know, we kind of wave at each other, and, and then we go on, and, and uh, so I, I'd done that, and I was in a climbing right-hand turn. I was about 165 feet, and heading to the southwest, and just all of a sudden, man, just this explosion. I mean, a big explosion. I, I've been in mortar attacks and rocket attacks and been hit by that fragmentation and stuff. But, and then just the whole aircraft shook, but, and then this white hot 
rod about three meters long went right, I mean, right by my right ear. I had my helmet on, but right. went right by my head. And my co-pilot, he was kind of looking into the turn, and he saw it, and he was like, oh, my God, man, it, yeah, it was crazy. What was it? Part it of was it. an FA-16, which is a, a very technologically advanced Russian man pad system. So it's a shoulder-fired IR seeker. So it shoots down aircraft. Okay. That's its whole mission. And we were the eighth helicopter shot down in that triangle. And it had been nicknamed the Devil's Triangle. For a reason. And we're the only crew to survive out of those eight helicopters. Oh, man. Two oh. of them were Chinooks full of troops. So bad, bad, bad days. Yeah, I think there were a couple Marine helicopters shot down, some Army, and then us. And we were the last one. It, I got a theory about it. It's in my book. Read it. Read about read it. it. I won't read it. Read a book. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, and at that nanosecond, you know, the, the human body is an, is an amazing machine. It's incredible. I mean, it's we start to dump adrenaline and all these great chemicals to fight or flight, you know, and and then our training kicks in, okay? So, and I, I'm, a, I'm an IP, I'm an instructor pilot, so I've done, you know, hundreds and hundreds of auto rotations. Mm-hmm. And the, the 160th, we're still the only unit that does an auto-rotation all the way to the ground. The regular Army people, they, they can't touch down. They have to do a power recovery. And, and I understand it's to save on tearing up helicopters, you know, because right. young pilots make mistakes. So, and, and the best way I can explain this is that from that moment until I touch down, which was approximately 3.4 seconds that my, my life, my vision was a frame by frame by frame in slow motion. And what doctors tell me is that that's, that's that adrenaline and that slows our brain and all these other great chemicals that we release under stress or under duress. And it's like an old, you know, a movie real, you know, you just see it frame by frame by frame. Yeah. By yeah. Frame. That's, that's what I saw. And when, when you say you around. saw your life, it was what was going on at your life at that time. Or are you actually like flashbacking through your life? No, no, no. I, I was completely task at hand. So everything this, you were doing just seemed like it was slow motion. Kind slow of motion. Yes. Because your mind probably going so fast. Oh yeah, man. It's I think that's why it seems like it's slow motion. Just like you said, the adrenaline and everything's going. Yes. Yep. So I immediately I entered an auto rotation. And of course when the when the engine quits or you have something mechanical in certain helicopters, you'll get warning lights. We have a caution warning panel and then you get tones and engine out light, engine out tones and this thing all these things are screaming at me because that missile hit the engine so I, it you know blew up my engine is this a ground missile that hit you or is this from another it, aircraft no it's it's, it's a ground it's a shoulder, shoulder launch. launch yeah man portable 
air defense system man pads. Is it is it shooting the metal or is it shooting actual like rockets and stuff? Because you said you saw this big metal. It's a missile that has a heat seeker on it. So it seeks heat. So they shoot down jets or any any engine, anything right. that emits heat. That missile will chase it. And, right. And, and Go to those the thing. particular models, they have a proximity fuse. So they can set it and it, say, okay, at, at 10 meters, we want this thing to explode. So it frags. And then, yep. Okay. And you get maximum, unlike a tank round, you know, it just yep. hits and explodes or depending on the round, if it's a heat so what, round. So what went by your head? That was some of the, the fragmentation from rocket that. motor. That was the rocket. That was motor. the rocket motor. Oh, dang. Yep. Yeah. So it, at the angle, so let's say this is my aircraft. The missile came up like this, went to the, it proxed right behind the engine and then went right by my head. Oh and God. it fragged the. I got fragged all and all inside the face and my neck and stuff. And uh, so yeah, I went to work in an auto rotation, and that's a procedure that we do and train to in all helicopter pilots. So it's just a powered off landing. So you lower the collective, you put your pedal in because the aircraft's going to yaw because it's loss of power. Right. And uh, you, know, you get it in trim. But that particular model of helicopter, and it's kind of, you know, the joke in aviation, that thing falls out of the sky like a greased crowbar. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it falls really, really fast. Yeah. You know, around, just at around 2,600 feet per minute. You're not going to get any glide out of that. Yeah. No, you, you know, and it's due to the rotor system and, yeah, some other things. But So, yeah, we were, we were blasting out of the sky there, and, and and as a as a aviator or helicopter pilot, we always use something vertical to judge your distance off the ground, you know, like trees or a pole or houses or because we use those things in the procedure of an auto rotation. You know, at seventy five feet, I have to start a D cell. So I want to start bleeding off the airspeed that I'm carrying. I was doing probably 65, 70 knots when the missile hit me. Mm-hmm. You start bleeding off, and then at at 15 feet, you're going to pull initial with the collective, and that's just to kind of slow the slow the helicopter down. And then about five to 10 feet, you're going to level the aircraft, and then you're going to pull your cushion, so the rest of your collective, which puts pitch in those blades mm-hmm. and they bite they bite the air and they it's like doing a you know a landing it's just like a powered off landing is what yeah. we're doing so we have a radar altimeter and you know it's just it's just dirt out there so there's nothing to look at or nothing to see you got no reference points no reference at all so and in an auto and the little bird, you just look right between your pedals because that's where you're going. You look down through the chin bubble between your pedals. That's your circle of action. That's where that aircraft's going. And I do remember that I was in the worst condition for conducting an auto rotation that I could have been in. I had a 20 knot tailwind. You always want to be into the wind in any aircraft because it gives you lift. Yeah. And I had a I had a pretty strong tailwind. I was heavy, you know. I had full of gas, rockets, ammo, and um, 
we we hadn't we hadn't shot much on target but so i looked at my radar altimeter i saw i remember seeing my rotor rpm it got high it got to like 105.4 so i i just snuck a little collective in to put some you know some angle in the blades to slow them down a little Little bit pitch let it get too high the rotor system will just spin off the helicopter plus all these sirens are going off in my head and i'm like god i wish these things would shut the hell up man i'm trying to work here (laughs) i don't have much time of course you know you just had a bomb explode next to your head too so it might be a little ringing from that it was real quiet other than you know all that signals going off and so i kept checking my radar altimeter and i said okay it's at 75 feet ish i'm gonna start my d cell i don't know the condition of the ground so i'm gonna get as much of that airspeed off as i can so i don't slide very far after touchdown i didn't know if it was rocky if there were craters you know you don't know yeah so and that's what i've been taught to do by Mr. Fred Horsley. He was my IP. And uh, in that situation, he, he got shot down in Panama, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah we call him Uncle Fred. He, he passed away a few years ago. But anyway, yeah, he got him and George Kunkel got shot down <laughs> in Panama during the, the Kurt Muse raid. So they were they were landing at the, at the prison to rescue Kurt Muse and Fred's job in an A.H., there was a, a 50 cal right across the street. So the AHs came in and shot that shot and killed the 50 cal and the dudes up there. Right. He, Fred got shot down. He crash landed at the front door of the Comodancia. <laughs> right at the front oh, door. That guy's lived. I'm not kidding you. Oh That's another gosh. But, um, so yeah, so at 75 feet and, and, and you're doing, you're doing a scan, man. I'm looking, you know, you're looking at rotor trim, Radar tone, rotor trim, airspeed, all these things just, you know, just nanoseconds. Yeah. And I remember seeing every number, every, everything yeah. in that cockpit. But again, all this three and a half seconds from impact to, to touchdown. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah, this yes, they, they put all the dynamics into a computer at Port Record. That's what the computer said. 3.2 to 3.4 seconds. So at 75 feet, again, I started my D-cell, very aggressive, bleed off some of that airspeed, as I was thinking. And then you just kind of, you know, you, you just kind of ride it down. And then it was about 25 feet because I knew I had a tailwind and I, and I was heavy. So at about 25 feet, I said, hey, it's like Neil Armstrong, right? When he was landing on the moon. Yeah. You only do it right once <laughs> if you know that story and he only had one shot and i'm like hey when i see 25 20 feet i'm pulling everything and i did yeah it's kind of i leveled it was around 20 feet i just pulled everything and the other ah you know he they heard it so they turned and they're like oh shit greg's on fire <clears throat> and yeah, and I leveled and I touched down, and man, it was. I was like, "Huh, this wasn't too bad," you know. <laughs> my my co-pilot later, he's like, "Dude, that was the softest landing I'd ever 
experience, you oh know, my gosh. I was like, yeah, it wasn't too bad. So, I mean, so like, literally you did not crash. You landed. Yeah, I landed. You landed. And even the other AH says, dude, your landing was beautiful. It was, yeah, it was perfect. I said, well, just like Neil Armstrong, man. <laughs> and, uh, so the two so of you are I, on the ground now. Yep, we're on the ground, safe and sound. And, of course, big dust, you know, it's just dirt dust, man. It just, it just filled the cockpit because we don't have doors on our aircraft. Yeah. No little birds. No 160th aircraft fly with doors. And there's some reasons for that. I won't get into it. But mainly so we can shoot out of the door with sure. <laughs> our rifles, shoot bad guys. It's So cockpit filled up with dust. We're sliding now, okay, sliding across the dirt. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I was like, holy smokes, man, this is, hey, we're going to get out of here. I'm going to go back and get another helicopter. <laughs> Come back. Be back in dudes. an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we slid about 35 meters. And, and the reason I know this is because we went back later to the crash site. But, and I did, I did a drawing. Wasn't uh, a crash. No, no. There was no crash site. No, it was a shot down site. Shoot down site. <laughs> yeah. So we slid and then went down a bit of a slope into some soft dirt and the skids stuck. And when they stuck with that forward momentum, I don't know, probably 30, 35 miles an hour at this time. Yep. We went end over end. Uh, not once, not twice, but three times. <laughs> and that, if you look at that helicopter without the, main rotor and the tail boom it looks like an egg a egg yeah a little oval mr hughes designed that helicopter that way for a reason so if it did roll it would roll like an egg and it would keep the occupants in the cockpit safe yeah and not crush them like a baby chicken in an egg yes sir hey there leadhead brigade lefty here with some important news for you Forecasters from the University of Arizona warn that 2023 will be a very active hurricane season and they're asking people to get prepared. They're expecting the number of major hurricanes this year to be similar to 2017, which saw the extremely intense and damaging hurricanes that we all heard about, Harvey, Irma, and that nasty old Maria. How bad can it get? Well, when Hurricane Ida hit the Gulf Coast, it destroyed countless homes and left many without access to food, clean water, millions lost power. Most didn't have power for weeks. The floods that followed the hurricane washed out the roads, made it impossible for grocery stores to restock their shelves. Families were left hungry and desperate, waiting for help that was slow to arrive. But what if you didn't have to be reliant on the government, FEMA, your neighbor, grocery stores during these crises? The answer is simple. Be prepared with emergency food kits from 4Patriots. Their long-lasting, delicious food options are specifically designed to provide you and your loved ones with the sustenance you need when you need it the most. 4Patriots survival food kits are hand-packed in the USA. They last 25 years. They come packed inside covert storage totes. They include a wide variety of delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners. They've even got some snacks that are tasty. And they're backed by thousands of five-star customer reviews. Just go check out their website, 4Patriots.com, and read them for yourself. 4Patriots Survival Food is not just for natural disasters. Because in today's world of uncertain supply chains and unpredictable emergencies, it's more important than ever to have a backup plan. 
Whether it's a temporary power outage, a winter blizzard, or rising food costs, which we're all feeling that these days, right? You can rest easy knowing that you have a reliable source of food to see you through it. And right now, you can go to 4 and use this exclusive code, LEADHEAD, all caps, LEADHEAD, one word, to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store, not just their food kits. So go check them out, 4 Use the code LEADHEAD to get 10% off your first purchase of 4Patriots Survival Food. That's 4 guys. Use the code LEADHEAD and get that 10% off. So... And being, you know, and I, I remember these little thoughts and snippets and, and all this time. And, but I remember the, the aircraft coming up, coming up, and it reminded me when I was, I used to break horses and train horses, you know, and you get those old buckers, well, they drop their old head, you know, and your feet go and you, and you get back, you get back. <laughs> and, it, and it just, and I remember doing that. I was like, ah, but it just, it got over that. You know that pivot point, and it launched you. Yes, and just we we rolled and rolled, and it. I'm almost positive it knocked me out. Well, it cracked my helmet. I hit the door frame in the crack in the shoot down <laughs> crash seat. Now we're in a crash. Now you're in a crash. I, I yeah. did it though. I did everything I could do. I tried to do it right, and uh, yeah, it cracked my helmet. And I, I, I came to, I came to, and it was just, you know, it was like fog. It was just that, all that dirt and dust and stuff f- flying. Well, everything Are you upside flying. down I, at this point? Are you upside down? Yeah, we were, we came to rest upside, inverted on my, on my side. And it, it dislocated this shoulder, this shoulder, um, bunch of other stuff. But yeah. Came, I came to, and we're upside down, <laughs> I was just like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> but, you know, I'm awake, so yeah. what's the rest of me? And if you've ever been in a traumatic event, you know, we always, like, I start at my toes, and I wiggle my feet, move my feet, I move my leg, my right leg. Yeah. You, you touch know, and it I move everything. my hands, you know, you, you're like, oh, okay, you know, I'm, I'm here. And uh, I kind of went through that process in a couple of seconds that it took. And, but then I was like, I kept hearing this popping noise. And it was not gunfire popping. It was just popping. And I'm like, huh, that popcorn sounds weird out here today, you know. <laughs> but it was the ammo cooking off right behind my head. Ooh. Yeah, we were fully engulfed in fire. Oh, damn. And, and the guys, there's actually a picture taken of me on fire coming coming out of the sky. One of the rangers took a picture. You got of a picture it. of it. Yeah. You got a nice Polaroid. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm like, dude, why weren't you suppressing the target instead of taking pictures of me on fire? <laughs> He's like, oh man, it was a Kodak moment, you yeah, know? <laughs> I knew you'd want to see it. <laughs> God bless the Rangers, man. That's <laughs> awesome. He was an up gunner, you know, and he just we all carried him. Those little plastic you know, we weren't supposed to have them, but yeah, like those little wedding cameras they have. Yeah, he snapped a picture, and then went to suppressing the target, and uh, yeah, I came to and I heard that pop, and I was like, "Oh shit, man, that's ammo cooking off." I was like, "We're on fire!" So I, I kind of got my and head. Your co-pilots awake and 
Yeah, he. So then I'm like, I'm like, oh shit, man, how's my coat? I, I just reached over and he was looking straight ahead, and I could see his eyes open. And I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, "Hey, bro, you okay? You okay?" And he just kind of did that. <laughs> we were both fucked. Oh, up, you're right? like, what in the hell just happened? We were. And uh, I said, "Hey," I said, "Get your rifle. We carry our M4s right up front with us. We got little mounts, and they're very." accessible to us and we can get them get them very quick and and i i never will forget this fred horsley i would i'd bring him down because he was shot down in panama and especially when we had you know something going on or pre-deployment or a couple new guys or whatever i have him come tell the story because it was important one and two the the big takeaway is that you know, we'd hang our rucks that we we'd carry like three day rucks yeah. in behind our heads in the cargo area, and we'd have ammo in there, water, night vision, grenades. Food. Well, and, and Fred would always tell us, he's like, "Listen to me, fellas, you're only gonna take with you what is right in front of you or on your body." You ain't going to get in the back and get your ruck out. You aren't going to go here and get this. It's whatever you can reach in those few seconds that you have before you egress that helicopter. And man, was he right. Because my rifle was right there. And we, you know, we safety everything. And we had slings and we run VTAC slings on our rifles. And we just take a snap link, snap it so that, you know, it's there. Yeah. And. And my on my rifle in the crash sequence, the my sight had been broken off of the rifle, and all I had my irons on it, my backup iron sight. So I was good. I was okay there. But so I, I told us to get your rifle and meet. I pointed because we always use clock positions. You know, twelve clocks to the front, and then three o'clock, then nine o'clock, six o'clock. When a gunbird or an armed aircraft, you always meet at the three or the nine because you don't want to get in front of potential accidental discharge or a rocket going off or you don't want to get in front of weapon systems right it's bad 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 so i just i pointed and i says meet me over here because he you know he could either crawl through well he couldn't have crawled through he had we had to crawl out the front so he kind of did this again and i said hey i said look at me so he, he turned his head probably about 20 degrees, probably. Well, he had blood all over his face. And I was like, fuck. And I was like, are you okay? And he just, he kind of did this again. He's just, <laughs> he's again. out of it. And and you don't want to say anything to somebody that's had trauma because it'll send them to another level of shock. And we were, right. we were both in shock. I mean, that's a... Oh, there's that's no doubt, a, yeah. So, so now I'm thinking, okay, did he get shot? Did he get hit? And the, the little bird is famous for the shoulder harnesses not locking in a crash sequence. Oh, shit. So what happens, the pilot hits the cyclic with his mouth. Mm. I actually know uh, two guys Yeah, that's happened to. They don't have any teeth because they hit the cyclic when they, they rolled just like we did. Right. And, so then I was like, well, maybe his shoulder harness didn't lock, you know, and he hit. Anyway, I said, get your ass out now. So I grabbed my rifle. I crawled out the front. 
because now I'm thinking my priority is safety of the of the crew. Okay, the aircraft's gone. I mean, I can hear the fire roaring and ammo's cooking off. And you know, I thought about I had 17 pound rockets on board. I was like, man, I don't know what these things are going to do if they catch on fire. <laughs> yeah, because you know, they in the in the warheads, the 17 pounders had 3.2 pounds of octal high explosive. And but you know they never did they never did anything. They didn't they, go they off. Up. Yeah, they didn't go off. They didn't detonate. It was kind of interesting. But anyway, Is that by I, design. I, maybe, maybe I, I, I know what they do design. when I shoot them at a target. They yeah, go, boom. Yeah, yeah. Boom. And so the safety of the helicopter. So I crawled out. I got my rifle. I sat down. I checked my rifle. I cleared it. I pulled my pistol. I, we wore pistols on our chest and a holster. Yeah. Because yeah. we're always sitting. You know, we're riding in a vehicle. You can't get to your damn pistol if you're sitting like right. that. So I'd actually done that in Afghanistan in 01. I moved my holster to my chest. chest rig, yeah. I rigged up a deal for my Blade Tech holster and I wore my 1911 right there. Plus, a guy sitting next to you, can, he can reach over and get it if, you know, if need be. Sure. So it's accessible. It just made sense to me. There I go again, common sense. Anyway, <laughs> so I, I get my pistol, check it. Everything's operational. So, and it, again, took a couple seconds. And because uh, that's priority, make sure my weapons are functional. And then all I could think about was Black Hawk Down. I said, here's a little black helicopter just crashed. It's on fire. We're surrounded by bad guys. It's fixing to get real shitty really fast. Yeah. So I, and now. And you surveyed when you were coming down and there wasn't like anywhere really to go to, right? We're about 300 meters from that bill where I I landed. Yeah. Where the aircraft physically was sitting. And so I, I, I stood up. And the other AH now was they had they had done a couple gun runs, and then came back to check on us. And they he had actually told me he's like, he said, "Man, you know we made a pass, we didn't see it. We made a pass, had to go neutralize a target, came back and saw you crawling out." And they they told me he said, "If we hadn't have seen you, we were we were landing to come get you out because." I said, Greg, it, your helicopter was completely engulfed in fire. I was like, yeah, fire bad with jet fuel and oh, yeah. know, ammo and aluminum and all those cool things that are helicopters are made out of. They burn very, very hot. They burn very fast. So, and then, of course, they were, they were watching me, and I stood up, and I couldn't feel my right leg. And I took a step and I fell down. Mm. So I, I sat there for a second and I stood up and I took a step and I fell down. <laughs> and I, I did this three times. Oh, shit. They're up there laughing their asses off. They're like, it wasn't funny for the first second, but then it was like, oh, man, he looks like a circus clown or something. <laughs> he's up, he's down. He's up, he's down. You know what? Because you got a broke doing? leg? No, I had a spinal stinger. You know, from the oh. impact in my L spine, it had smashed on that Got nerve. That nerve, yeah, pit's nerve. Yeah, my leg went to sleep, but then 
on that third one, I think I sat down to evaluate, you know, my legs. I'm like, well, is it broken? So I lifted my pant legs on both legs, felt them, you know, I was like, nope, they're okay. So my, yeah, I was just adrenaline such an awesome drug, man. It's the best drug on the planet. I don't <laughs> care what you say. And, uh, so I got back up and then I could, I could take steps, you know, and I looked, I was like, holy smokes. And then I was thinking about my bag. I was like, dang, man, my night vision's in there. You know, I got water in there. I got frags you in there. You weren't going back for that, were you? So I said, like, okay, I'll come back to that. But I wanted to make sure 360 degrees security of the helicopter at that time and space. Again, all I could think about was that day of Moog. And now the, the ground force were engaged in a gunfight and they actually two of the guys had seen the shot what saw the building saw the missile come off when it was a two-story building yeah they saw the launch hmm. they saw the launch so they, they engaged that building they told me this is definitely an sa-16 and there weren't supposed to be any sa-16s in that country is it's a highly advanced russian weapon system and wonder how they got that (laughs) sa-16 i'm gonna look that up yeah sa-16 and so i mean i walked around the aircraft all clear and i'm like okay where's my co-pilot well he was still in the helicopter i mean now this thing it's the fire is in the cargo area where all the ammo is that was cooking off <laughs> when we, you know, when I first came to. So I got down on the ground. I crawled in there and I, I grabbed him. I said, hey, I said, you got to get out, man, right now. Okay. And he kind of nodded his head and I said, get out right now. Okay. So I crawled back out, kind of went to the, yeah, there you go. Yep. There she is. That's nasty. Yeah, they're very, very nasty. They're helicopter killers. Talk to the Russians. The Ukrainians are shooting down theirs every day. Yeah. Or talk to the Ukrainians. So you're checking with your co-pilot. Yep. So I get back up. I take a knee facing towards the ville and the ground force where I I knew because we're in a bit of a defilade low spot there and the other AH flew over and I waved to them, uh, you know, like this <laughs> and, uh, One gun sweep. and they, they, they returned in kind. And then they, then they left. Well, what happened? He had almost, he was out of gas and had to leave. They had to break station. So they, they broke station and, uh, so I was like, gosh, dog, man, where is he? You know, I turn and look because I'm set up in my little fight position to the three o'clock of the helicopter. There was a bit of a deflate right there and it was just, it was just perfect. So I, I kind of half crawl, walk back over there and I slung my rifle. I said, I, I can't take it anymore. Cause when I looked, the, the fire was rolling around his arm now oh wow it it had reached the cockpit and i i did think about getting my bag 
the first trip around, but it, it was fully engulfed in flame. And I was like, I'm not reaching my arm in there. Yeah. I don't care. So, so I crawled back in the cockpit. I just, I pulled his latch, you know, on his belts, on his harness. I just pulled his latch and, you know, he was upside down. He was like, doink, <laughs> you know, and he kind of hit and kind of rolled up. And I said, and I just, I just grabbed him and I just pulled him on top of me. And I got heels in the ground and I pushed and I just grabbed him and I pulled him over on top of him again until we were clear of that cockpit. And, uh, and he I, was I just, remember how, he was just out of it then, huh? He just, yeah, he was just not, yeah. not cold. Yeah. And, uh, well, like I said, he's great, great dude, man. I'd, I'd go to war with him anytime, anywhere. But well, yeah. yeah, we were, we were both kind of fucked up. Yeah. So I kind of rolled over and I, I looked at him really close, you know, looked at his face and I was like, man, what in the world? And I said, I said, can you get up? And he's like, and he, he said, yeah. So we kind of crawled out some more and then he got up on a knee and had his, he got, had his rifle. And then I said, Hey, just, let's just sit down. We were clear. Now we were about, I don't know, probably 40, 40 yards, 40 meters from the helicopter and it was just, it was fully engulfed now, man, it was burning. And, uh, I said, Hey, I said, let, let me check you, you know? So I, I just kind of real quick legs, arms, and he could move his hands and took his helmet off and very, very carefully, but he was moving his head and I checked his, you know, checked his pupils for right. eyes and seeing about concussion and, you know, all those things we're trained to do. And, but yeah, and he he popped his helmet off, and, and I, I'm looking at his face. <laughs> I said, "Dude, I said, let me see your grinners, you know, like that." His <laughs> teeth. Real. Yeah. He shows me his teeth. I was like, "Okay, he's got all his teeth." And uh, I said, "Stick your tongue out," and he had bitten through half of his tongue. Oh, that's where all the blood came from. Ouch! I was like, "Oh, dude." <laughs> Said, don't be eating pickles tonight. Ciao. <laughs> you know, no salt for you. But I said, Hey, man, I said, I think you bit your tongue. He like, uh, uh, oh. <laughs> God, man. We kind of chuckle. You know, those moments, you just like, You're like, If that's the worst that happened, then. Funny. Yeah. Whew. We didn't survive this. And uh, so we, we, you know, we, we're in our little fighting position and, and we were in as much low ground as, you know, could possibly find at that time in that space. And I heard a truck coming and I told him I was up on a knee and he was facing North. I was facing East. And I said, Hey, if you see something or hear something, you know, just reach over and give me a squeeze or say, Hey, contact something. Let's put both eyes on it. Let's put both guns on it. Let's talk about it before we start pressing the trigger because we're kind of fucked up right now. Right. And I'm hurting and you're hurting. So let's just make double sure. Let's not overreact. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so and how long was this after y'all exfilled from the copter? Mm -hmm. how, long, yes, how long was that when I you no made idea. contact? I have no idea. It was minutes or 30 minutes or... I, I, I don't. I have no sense of time. Sure. You know, from the time that Makes missile sense. Hit. Yeah. Um, so I, I said, hey, 
I said, I got a vehicle. So he kind of scooted over and we had, we had both guns at low ready. And then I saw, I saw, I saw a head kind of bobbing, you know, he, he was running. I could tell. And then I saw a ball cap and I see a beard and I see Kit. And I said, Hey, I know that guy. <laughs> All right, man. That's Chaz. Friendlies. Yes. Friendlies. And, uh, so he, and he stops probably 30 meters from us and he just stops and looks at us. And then he takes off running again, you know, and we stand up. Of course he grabs us. He hugs us. He's like, damn gravy. We thought you guys were dead, dude. And I was like, we ain't dead. He goes, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go find that motherfucker and kill him. He goes, get in the truck. He we said, know where he's at. <laughs> That's where you go say. So, yeah, we, we loaded up in the trucks, and then we assaulted. I told the troop commander and the sergeant major, I said, I want to clear that building, and I want to look for evidence. Yeah. Okay? I want to see if there's any dunnage or a, a case or something, you know, that would help us confirm or deny. And like I said earlier, so each one of those missile systems, they leave a significant smoke trail, and it's a corkscrew. Right. Some of the smoke is white. Some of it's gray. Some of it's dark gray. Some of the corkscrews are big, and and we're trained to identify those sure. so we can help identify the system. And and one of the guys said it was definitely a sixteen, dude. And I was like, gosh, dog. Well, every later we found out that all eight of those helicopters were all shot down with SA sixteens, every one of them. Mm. And that was it. That was the end of it. There were no more, no more engagements, no more shot down. So. Did you ever find that one? Pardon? Did you ever find that one? The missile? Well, you said you found the building, so you went in the building. Did you find any evidence that? No, oh, no, okay. we didn't. There was it was evacuated, and, but we we had we got online, we assaulted, started to engage enemy, and then. <laughs> in my truck we get stuck in the mud during the assault oh. I'm like, no way i mean he's like whoa, 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 whoa. and uh, rangers he's on the 240 he's got dual 240 g's well he's getting some i mean dudes are running you know and he's engaging targets of opportunity and we're like whoa, whoa. i was like shit you gotta be kidding me i was like come on god got some break here man and no, no breaks for gravy. No. So we we get out in accordance with SOP. I go to my corner, and of course, Doc, our medic man, he's working on us. He's shoving needles in us and pills and checking. You know, I mean, man, he's he is on us. And I kept telling him, I was like, "Hey, you check him. You yeah, check him, check him, check him." And co-pilot, and I'm on my corner. And this, this dude runs up, out, out on the roof. He's in a black man dress, which, you know, to me, that's a bad guy. Right. He's on his right. cell phone. I was like, that motherfucker's calling his buddies, you know? Yeah. And I tell Sergeant Major, I'm in his truck. And I said, hey, Sergeant Major, I said, I got contact. He's like, well, shoot that fucker. And I said, roger that. So that's, but he'd run out on the roof, and then he'd run back in, you know. They have door access up there. Yeah. So, yeah, dude... Dude came back out, man. I put control pair 
75 grain horn. He's right in the center mass of his chest and dropped him. There you go, calling our position, then, motherfucker. Yeah. And then uh, Jeremy, he was the ranger. He got contact on his left, so he opens up on these other dudes. And then I look again, and here comes two guys running out of a building, one carrying an RPG, the other guy's carrying his AK, so I engage both of them. And then Jeremy jumps in on the party. He shoots him up. <laughs> I mean, I was like, man, this is crazy, man. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then it kind of it kind of goes down, you know, and we get to the building. Well, we get the pander, one of the panders, under fire, takes off, comes back around. Guy jumps out under fire with a like a snatch strap, you know, and hooks us right. to our buffer, pulls us out of the mud. So we get unstuck, and then we kind of maneuver around this big giant mud hole and then get to that building. We clear the building, there's nothing. Mm. And, and uh, Sergeant Major grabs me. He goes, Hey, we're gonna go, we're gonna go have a chat with some of these dudes. And so, yeah, we grabbed some of the mooge there, and they don't know anything. Oh, you get no intel from them. Yeah, we did a little combat chat. A little combat we... chat. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so nothing. Dude, so that's like... a hell of a freaking story right there. Oh, it was crazy. It was another day at the office, man. It was crazy, though. Yeah, so we, we get back in the truck. And I tell them, I tell the troop commander, I say, hey, can we go back to the crash site to make sure all our sensitive items are either destroyed or they've been, and they had called uh, some guys from the 82nd and they had gotten there, they secured the crash site, you know, and, and um, yeah, so it was, and then we just kind of evaluated everything and I actually sketched a picture and then a couple of guys, they took pictures. They had official cameras and had taken some pictures of everything just, yeah, for historical data and then the investigation and all that. And I was like, yeah. there's nothing to investigate, you dumbasses. Shit, look. It's, you got shot down. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, dude. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it was like it was My buddy's very, got very a great perfect. Polaroid of it. Just check his Polaroid. Yes. Yeah. Now, do you have access to those photos? Yeah, I got them all. The ones that they took for the investigation and everything, too? Yes, sir. You still got your sketch? Somewhere. I, don't, I haven't you seen it. You should find that. You should find your what? sketch. I think they took it. Oh. Yeah, I think they took it. They confiscated it? Yeah. Bastards. Yeah, I got pictures right here on my computer of the crash site. And Man. All that stuff. That's a wild story right there. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. Well, let's do then, this because we're kind of oh, long. No, go ahead. Let me back up. So yeah. we we link up. Chaz gets us to the main force. We link up. And the troop commander turns around because, he, you know, they, they're calling like, hey, aircraft varmint's been shot down. That was our call sign. Hey, uh, we need, you know, we need to spin up combat CSAR. Combat Search and Rescue. Well, United States Air Force, Special Operations, CSAR, okay, 
theater dedicated. That's their only job in the country of Iraq is to go pick up downed pilots, right? They refused to come get us. They said it was too risky. What? Well, Troop Gunners are great. You need to listen to this. (laughs) I was like, holy crap, holy man. Now, I know those crews would have launched in a heartbeat. Yeah. But it was, you know, whoever was making decisions said, no, no, we're not going to do that today. I said, wait a minute. Your motto is so others may live. Well, that's fucking bullshit. I'm still pissed off today about that call. Oh, I, I mean, would they, be really, they could have put us in a really bad, bad situation, man. I bet you know who that guy's who that guy is too, who made that decision, command decision, don't you? Yeah, I do. And and I actually I I saw the crew and I said, you know what? I would have come, got you, man. I don't care what time of day it was. I would have come. I would have come. I don't care if they said no. If you go, you're going to get court martial. Okay, well, court martial. I'm going to go get my brothers. I don't give a fuck what you tell me. And that's just the way that I'm wired. That had been hard to stomach. And it, it was funny when we get we get back. and But they had, so word got back to Baghdad. They had every Blackhawk. They had every Little Bird. They had every Delta operator, the Cooks. The guys cleaning the shitters. They said it looked like the Clampets man hanging on these. They were coming. They're like, screw it, we're coming. And I got on the radio and I called to talk. I said, listen, do not come in here. Okay, we're we're secure. We're with the fellas. Yeah. And Doc's taking care of us. Okay. The Air Force isn't going to come get us. and I said, just go go to our logger area. You know, it's a safe area east of Fallujah. I said, and just just hang, okay? If, if one of us get critical, then we will move to a safe place. We'll put close air support at 16 or something overhead, you know, to protect. And then you can come get us. But right now, we're, we're cool, okay? We're good. Doc's taking care of us. <laughs> Yeah, that, the Clampus were getting ready to come on out, weren't they? <laughs> oh, dude, they said it was fucking crazy. Release the hounds. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. So, then we had to fight our way. We had the gunfight lasted six hours. Six so hours. Six hours. And then we had to fight our way. We had to go to Fallujah. We had to fight our way through Fallujah. Then on the road between Fallujah and Ramadi, and had to fight our way through Ramadi. Hold on, I'm going to bring this map back up. <laughs> yeah, so people can get an idea of the the ground that you guys are covering here. Hey, Leadheads, White Settle with Seal One. Just here to talk to you and tell you a little bit about our product. Seal One CLP Plus is a bio-based, non-toxic product. It comes in a paste liquid, aerosol, and pre-saturated bore-specific patches called seal skins. They all do the same thing, just different methods of application. The best way to use our product is to start with a clean firearm. There's two reasons why I say that. First, you start with the Seal 1 CLP Plus by field stripping your firearm and covering the entire firearm inside and out, bore, barrel, everything with the Seal 1 CLP Plus. You'll see how easy it spreads around. 
you want to wait about 15 to 20 minutes, then you come back and you want to wipe it all off. So you see how easy it is to put on and remove. And the second reason we say to use a clean firearm is you'll find that it's not clean. We're going to pull out more carbon that's been left behind with whatever product you've been using before. Okay, it takes about three cleanings. So I like to say a clean shoot, clean shoot, clean shoot, just normal usage before the Seal One CLP Plus has removed whatever product that you were using before and has seasoned the firearm. It's kind of like breaking in a cast iron skillet. And after that first cleaning, you will notice a difference. And with each successive cleaning, you will find that it gets easier and easier to clean. Seal One CLP Plus is a dry lubricant and is designed to work as such. You will find that malfunctions are virtually eliminated when used properly because the majority of all malfunctions are caused to carbon buildup. And with the Seal One CLP Plus, the carbon does not build up. Seal One CLP Plus is safe on all metals, plastics, composites, polymers, rubber, wood, and leather. Seal One CLP Plus is a one-and-done formulation. No other products are required or needed to clean and lubricate and protect your firearm. That's why we say Seal One and Done. Seal One is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead Podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. Use the code LEADHEAD for a 25% off discount. So somewhere down in here is where you where you rolled. Yep. And then you guys made your way back to Fallujah. Yes, sir. Yep. Back up to Fallujah. Through Fallujah, the most dangerous city on the planet at that time. Yeah, we hit Highway 1 right there, just up to the north. This one? Yep, right there. And then we went west <laughs> to Ramadi. Did you cross over that bridge? Did you cross over that bridge? Yep. We were taking fire the whole time. Of course, it's daytime. And how know? far is Ramadi from Fallujah? Oh, it's good ways. Good. Pretty good hump. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't have a, a scale on here. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't remember, quite frankly. I could uh, punch it in Google Maps here and find, figure it out. But so, so you had to you had to fight northeast up back to Fallujah, and then from Fallujah back to, to Ramadi. Yes, sir. Yeah. And you did this in how many hours did this take? Uh, let's see. We launched at about. 12.50 that afternoon and we rolled into the MSS which was in Ramadi up by the river kind of north of that highway Highway 1 and uh, and we rolled in there at like 10 after 10 22.10, 10.10pm 10, 10 Wow so, yeah. Plus we'd been up all night and we'd been up a couple days Fighting and planning, fighting and planning, fighting and planning. Right. Yeah. That's what we do, man. That's what we do. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and and it was crazy because we, I mean, we pulled in the gate, they opened the gate, and <clears throat> I can remember pulling through the gate, dudes were running around everywhere, and I looked up, and they, they had their, uh, Delta had their two doctors 
they were standing right there. And of course we had a medic with us, doc was with us and then one or two medics. And it was just like, Oh man. And I, and I, I mean, the truck was still kind of rolling real, real slow. I got sick and I was like, I got to get out of here, man. I'm going to throw up from a concussion. Yep. And I opened the door and I, just rolled out of the truck and I just started projectile vomiting. <laughs> and I, just, I was like, get away, doc. Whoa. And man, I mean, they, they jumped on me. They jumped on my co-pilot, you know, started working on us. And then it wasn't, it wasn't a minute. I heard a Blackhawk. Well, it was a 160th Blackhawk landing to come pick us up. Nice. Yep. That was about, I don't know, almost 10 30 PM. Yeah, and they took us, flew us to the cache, so the combat hospital there in Baghdad. And I bet yeah. it seemed like days, though, to you probably, huh? A lifetime. Like a lifetime, man. A lifetime, yeah. I did think, right, my first thought after I crawled out of the helicopter were of my two girls. Yeah. And I, I just, I said a quick prayer. I said, and I always said this on every mission. I said, I say, God, just give me speed and accuracy. And and I, and then I added, I had just watch over my girls if I don't make it. Yeah, that's it, man. That's I mean, it. that's all you. Time, time to go to work. Prayer needs to be, you know, short, yeah, and sweet, it is. to the point. He doesn't expect anymore because <laughs> he's he's like, okay. <laughs> he knows yeah. what your shorthand means. Yes. Hey, he does dude that's yeah. an awesome story thank you for sharing that now is that in the book yes oh yeah it's that's even a, greater detail i know i've left out things but i've had well we gotta leave some for them to read they gotta you know they gotta want to get go get the book so it's available on audible or kindle right now but anyway i've had 40 i get these numbers mixed up i think i have 42 pieces of titanium in me and i've had 40 seven surgeries Jeez. to put me back together. Yeah. C-spine, L-spine, both shoulders were blown out. Both knees were blown out. Uh, my left ankle, head injury. And this severe. is all from that, that one hard landing. <laughs> yeah. We're not calling it a crash. It was a hard and landing. It was soft. <laughs> it was those rolls. It was soft until it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah, man. it's been a long. I'm old, but I'm not obsolete, by golly. Now, was that the end of your flight career after that? No. I did five more tours, brother. Whoa. Yep. I'd come, well, they fixed my L spine first and a, and a shoulder. They, I had to, I dislocated both shoulders. And, um, yeah, they just anchored them. They put like eight or 10 anchors. In both my well in this one first and then orthoscope and then yeah i spent well i was grounded i was grounded until uh february the next year but i i went and did a tour with b squadron in october of 04 yeah i, I they started my surgical our our Doctor sat me down and said, here's your schedule. This is what we're going to do. Do you want to, you know, do you want to stay in? Do you want to be medically retired? I was like, 
fuck no, I want to go kill fucking terrorists. That's what I want to do. And they're like, Roger that. And at at that level, you know, our doctors, they're going to ask us, hey, are you good? Yep, Roger that. Or no, I'm not good. And they'll say, okay, just let us know when you're good. So as a professional soldier and at that level, you know, it's just it's the trust that they have that, you know, we're, we're going to tell them. Of course, sometimes they have to remind us. <laughs> You're like, Greg, you, you ain't good to go yet, bro. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, okay. But uh, so, yeah, I went. I was, a, I was the fire supporter and then the uh, air guy for B Squadron on that. That was their next tour in October to January of 05. And then I stayed with the 22nd SAS. So that's the British, that's yeah, their Delta, the Delta guys. Oh my gosh, man. I had the best time with those blokes. Oh my God. <laughs> the blokes. They, they're a hoot. I call them wankers. What are you wankers doing? They're like, how do you know that? I said, I know some stuff. Man. I watch Austin Powers. Yeah, so I, I stayed and helped them with their air and fire support. Cause they didn't, they didn't have any of that stuff then none and we you know the ahs if we could we we'd support them on you know targets and stuff like that but they don't don't have any attack helicopters or special operations aviation like you know the u.s army does yeah yeah, they i got to i got to meet tony blair christmas the prime minister of great britain how was he he was cool tony blair's cool yes i really like that fella and uh, yeah, it was just it was a good tour of those guys, and I, I was honored that you know their commander had asked me if I'd stay and help, and right. I said absolutely. So I stayed another couple months, I think, almost three months. Yeah, very cool. And came home, had a couple more surgeries, and I got back up flying, and back to Iraq I went four more times. Four more times. Yes, sir. Yeah. That was when, my job. When was the when was your final flight? Oh, that'd been November of oh seven. Did you know that was gonna be your final one? No, I still fly, man. Well, it was I meant my last flight. In service. In service, I meant. Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. I assume you still fly, yeah. Oh yeah. A little bit. Let's do this. I wanted to talk more knives and blades, but we're running long. So let's go to our list of questions. Okay. And then uh, I want to hit you with the new guy questions. So I'm learning how to make slip joint pocket knives. Slip joint. I I got up at five o'clock this morning so I could have these ready to show you all. Let's let's look at these. This is a new design, a, a new pocket knife that we're making. I'm making. Okay. Called slip joints. This particular one is some cat's claw Damascus that I made. This is you can see it's just I just got it. <laughs> yeah, you got, got a prototype. A, That's your prototype. Prototype. Yeah, really cool. They're this is G10, so they're very lightweight. This is the very first one I finished. This is this one is feather Damascus. Hold it that way, just a little. Yeah. Yeah. Feather Damascus. Now, what's Feather Damascus? It looks like a feather. The steel. Okay. It looks like a feather. But, yeah, this one's all done. It's I'm really proud of it. And these are called slip? 
joint. Slip joint pocket knife. Now what's a slip joint? So there's only two pieces to this knife. It's this piece right here and the blade. That's it. And then the G10 handles. Hold it up. Yeah. Hold it up. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're below the, the camera there. No, you can come closer. You just... <clears throat> so how does it operate? We call it a slip joint. What's the... Well, it's the... Yeah, it's this joint, this pivot joint right here. So it just... There's three positions. So that's half. And that's closed. Okay. Open it up. And it locks in place like that. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So those are coming. Very cool. That's about all the knives I got, man. You got more than that, I'm sure. We'll yeah. talk about them as we go through the questions, because I know some of our questions deal with uh, with the knife. Yes. I see you went through and answered them already, too. <laughs> Some of them like, yeah, I didn't, I forgot. And I was like, like, oh, well, let me try to answer some of these guys' questions. They're supposed, they're supposed to listen to the show to get the answers. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's Sorry, okay. Guys. No, that's fine. I'm just kidding. I actually, I actually like it when our guests engage the the listeners like that. So I always do, man. I, I every pod, I've done probably thirty podcasts. And I, I'll, it might take me three or four months, but I go, I answer every one of them. Very. I cool. think it's important. Oh, absolutely, absolutely yeah. it is. I mean, they're not doing it just to. No, to do it. They're Now let me ask you this, because um, what we do is we reward our listeners here. Um, we call them leadheads, and uh, by participating. Yep. So, uh, would you like to give away? A copy of your book to one of our lucky participants today? If it's an audible, that's yeah, all I got. I think that'd be awesome. I, I'd yeah, I got some free audibles, man. I can send them. I, all I okay. need is their email. Plus, I got swag. I got nice. my patches, Blades for Brothers stickers. Here's my new sticker. We kill suckers. <laughs> we kill suckers. I like that. And the t-shirt's coming in three weeks. Oh, you got to do a t-shirt. Yeah. Yep. Just check the website. I got caps. Look at that. Ah. So you want to give I'll away? Give, you want to give away like a cap? Sure, man. All right, we'll give cap away. Sticker. We'll do like a, a swag package to one to one lucky listener. They get the book. Death waits in the dark. Hat. I like it. My wife owns an embroidery company. <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> there you go. I like that. I like the one with the Crusader cross on it. Yeah, that's my logo. I've got Crusader that. Four. Um, I don't have my Glock here, but I've got one. I've got it engraved on my Glock. Ah, cool. All uh, right, Mustang Perry. What is your favorite blade shape for fighting versus your favorite to make? Yeah, the drop point. I just like that blade style, and I mean, it was it was a really. Yeah, the drop point is probably the most most made blade in history. I mean, it's it's a fighting knife. It's it's a utility knife. I mean, you see a lot of camp knives, and yeah. you know, most all your fighters are uh, unless you get into the Persian. I don't have. I actually have a a couple of 
a couple of new knives I use. A, oh, here's one. So this is a Persian. They call it a Persian kind of style blade, but it's a drop point. Move it that way just a little bit. No. Like to your right. Hey. Move it to your right. Because the way this, this records, it kind of cuts off your left side of the, your screen. Okay. So, yeah. So that's yeah. a drop point. That's a good example of a drop point right there. That's a Persian. So, it's, yeah, the handle curves somewhat. But, it, yeah, it's the Middle Eastern. It's, you know, they developed this, but it feels really good in the hand. And it's just a little everyday carry knife. Yeah. And then a true, a true drop point would be this. So this is my fighter. There you go. That's a drop point. Is that and the Bob? Is, yep, that's the Bob for Bob Horgan. And this is saber cut, so it's also ground on top. It's not a sharp edge; it's just a false edge. Yeah. Yeah. Fighter. Uh, so this is the original mini Bob. That's a drop point. Dig it. Good question, though. Yeah. All right. So that was Mustang. Um, and you answered him here, and he says, thanks. I'm looking forward to the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you. Gerard Link. What is your favorite aircraft to fly and why? Oh, yeah. The AH-6, man. That's the Ferrari of all helicopters. The MD-530 series. I flew Cobras right out of flight school for a tour in South Korea, and then I flew Apaches for about two and a half years. Oh, wow. At the 101st. Yeah. Yep. yep. Then I went over to the dark side, as they call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are much bigger planes, aren't they, than... Yeah. They're big helicopters. Big hunks of metal. Yeah. I love, I love the little bird. The helicopter saved my life. One day, it saved hundreds of lives over the history of that helicopter. Thousands. Yeah, Mr. Hughes developed that thing for survivability, and it's it was developed in 1954. Is that Howard Hughes? Howard Hughes, yes. Aeronautical engineer. Oh, extraordinary. Millionaire, businessman. That's who Tony Stark was modeled after. Yes. Was yeah, Howard Hughes. Was. Yeah. All right. Let's go to uh, Tongue for Twisted now. And he's got a couple of questions. And Tongue for Twisted asks, what was your choice of carry while in flight? And what is your EDC nowadays? Yeah. And, and again, I, I didn't know if he meant helicopter configuration or my personal. So my personal yeah. was M4. Yeah, so on, I think what he's asking is your choice of carry while in flight. So you've talked about you had an M4 and you had a 1911. Probably no less than five or six knives on my body at any point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could carry enough knives, man. So what kind of 1911 were you carrying? Uh, it, was a, it was my Springfield that had been built by... Yeah, some friends of mine. You said a custom nineteen eleven that you were carrying? Yes. Gotcha. And anything special on the M four that you that you had on no, the M four? Standard issue. The standard issue? Yes, sir. 
What were your uh, optics that you had on it? At that time, I had an M68 aim point. Hold on just a sec. The multi-mount is a simple yet flexible platform that allows you to conveniently mount your everyday items wherever you may need them. A rugged 1.5-inch belt locks into the mount, allowing the attachment of any item that uses a clip or belt loop. With the quick release tab, you can easily swap out essential gear as needed. Ideal for mounting comms, tourniquets, lights, firearms, and more. The options are almost limitless. The platform comes with two backer options, either three and adhesive or cup backing, giving you adaptability and endless options on where you can mount your needed items. Access your essential equipment in your preferred configuration. Carry what you need, where you need, with our multi-mount platform, available now. For your exclusive Talking Lead listener discount, use the code LEADHEAD for 20% off at checkout. Just happen to have one handy? It was this one. Okay. Yeah. Again, this I got a bunch of stuff recovered from the burn site. It looks a little melty. Yeah, and the doggone thing still works. It still works. Holy shit. Not, it burnt up. I am not shitting you. Aimpoint, man. M60. Dude, you should get in touch with Aimpoint. Uh, they would love to well, hear I, that story. I took it I took it to SHOT Show with me like 05, 06, 07, and the uh, is like the president or the vice president was there from, I guess they're from, where are they from? Sweden, Norway? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. but he came out and he's like, what would it take for me to have that site? And I said, there's nothing. (laughs) You can't have it, but I would love for you to borrow it. And uh, he said, absolutely. He took it from me and they took it in the back and, one of the guys said they took over 300 pictures of it. Oh, wow. And then I'd bring it every year to SHOT Show with me, and they'd put it in their display case. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, cool. Yeah. So yeah, what very, about nowadays? What do you, uh, what you carry? What's your EDC? 1911. My, and then knife-wise, I'll carry my Mini Bob, which is an EDC that I wear parallel on my belt. So it's, yeah, it's this little blade right here. Mm-hmm. I like it. And then I carry a a uh, Steve Woods. He's a friend of mine. This folder makes really cool folders. Yeah. I carry my Chris Williams uh, Wilmot folder. This happened. This happened to be in my pocket today. Yeah. So whatever so you grab can. off the table and take with you that day. Yes, sir. It's either of those two. Yeah. Like Steve's new. Uh, he just, I really like, this one's cool. He made this one for me. That's got a knight on that side and then American flag that side. Very cool. Yeah. Steve Woods. Steve professional Woods. photographer. All right. Next question. Corey Brown. Thank you hey, for your Corey. service. Did you ever have to use a grease pencil for aiming purposes? LOL. So it's, I was like, how does he know about that? Hold on just a second. All right. You mean this government issue grease pencil? You mean that one right there? It didn't get melted? <laughs> this, no, because we wear it. Every gun pilot wears it on their kit right here. 
okay? So it's called a pipper. What we do, we take this grease pencil and we put a dot, a circle on the windscreen, and that's what we use to aim with to shoot. <laughs> I'm not lying. Grease pencil mark, man. And we tested every electronic you can think of over the years, my tenure there. And Nothing Fred Horsley summed it up at a meeting with some engineers one day. He said, there's no, no faster computer on earth than the human brain. And we will continue to use the grease pencil. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. That's a fact. And I've tested a bunch of stuff, man. EOTEX and yeah, out at Dillon Arrow, went out there for like a year after I retired and worked with them developing you know, new new equipment and minigun stuff and all kind of stuff. Yeah. He's also curious yep. about how many flight hours you've logged with the nods. Over like 6,000. Yeah, you said like 7,000 or something. 7,000. Yeah, it's over 7,000. I have 8,000 total. Yeah. Like 8,000 total flight time? Yes, sir. And then so in eight of those... Or seven of those is seven. with nods. Night vision. Holy yes, shit. Yeah, it was funny. I did my my ATP, my airline transport pilot certificate. And after I retired, and I, I got my CFII, my certified flight instructor, through the FAA. You know, I was like, well, I might want a job doing it or need a job doing it. So I'll go ahead and get my tickets. And But I was doing my ATP check ride, and that's the highest – certificate you can get as a civilian pilot is your ATP. And my FAA instructor check pilot came and introduced, you know, talking to him. And of course, first thing you do is hand them your logbook. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I start taking my oral exam, a written exam. And <clears throat> so I'm answering, he's over there with his phone. He gets his phone out and he's, I can see he's calculating and he looks up at me. He goes, my God, Greg, he said 80, I forget, it was like 88.65% of my flight time was night vision. <laughs> he, goes, he, he put his phone down. He goes, give me that test. He said, let's go fly. He said, I didn't know you were a night stalker. <laughs> I said, well, now you know. Just going so, through yeah, the channels. Yeah. <laughs> We so how are the, your, how are your, how's your vision? Good. Yes. Yeah. I mean, all that time under nods. Um, ah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> my hearing's not too good. <laughs> my vision's perfect. Yeah, my, my ophthalmologist, he's, I didn't have to get glasses till I was, I'm 63 years young now, but I was probably 52 or 53 when I first, when I had to start. And they're, these are only like 1.5 readers. And, yeah, that's all I... He, he was really surprised. That I said, well, it's probably from, you know, flying night vision goggles because you exercise that eye and, you know, you get into the physiology of the eye and all that stuff. So Yeah. And he was like, you know, I would have thought that that would have degraded your vision. That's what I was thinking, but no, obviously not. Strengthened mm -hmm. it probably. Yeah. What's, Except um, for the, poor, you know, the poor Apache guys, they have to wear that HDU, you know, over one eye. With just the one eye? Yeah, just the one eye. We always use teasing their eyeballs. 
I go like this. <laughs> Calamari eyes. You're like, oh, he's an Apache guy. Look at his eyeball. There's point one's point this way and one's. What was that comedian Just, Marty? Uh, you remember that old, back in the day? There was that comedian. Martin, his, not short, but it was it was. Uh, that's Martin Short. I can't remember his name, but he was like in those. Um, uh, I'm forgetting everybody's name now. Yeah, welcome, Gene. To the he club. was within with Gene Wilder. He was in the movie with Gene Wilder, like that that Bride of Frankenstein thing uh, that he did. Uh, he was like the yes. Igor. Yeah, his yeah. eyes were always crazy eyes. Yeah, that guy yeah. is Marty something. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. I, I said we chase squirrels here. Um. Tongue for twisting the ass again. Were you ever shot at? I think we gave a good prime example of that. A couple times. How many? How many tours did you do? Eleven. Eleven tours. Yeah, he was probably shot at one or two times. There's my lovely wife. If you'd like to see. Well, her. hey, lovely wife. You Hi. Got, you got the windblown hair today from skydiving. <laughs> I do. I always have windblown hair. <laughs> That's the best kind. That's part of living with Greg. That's how he likes Thanks. his women, he said. Fast cars, fast women. He's got them. Yep. She was, the, both. she was the fastest woman when she was falling out of that airplane, wasn't she? Yes, she was. 132 feet per second squared. <laughs> <laughs> That's fast. Yeah. Nice nice to, to meet you. Hello. Nice to meet you. What's your name? Lefty. Marty. 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 Yeah, I'm Marty. Nice to meet you, y'all. You sound like you're having fun back here. We are. We're having a great time. Am I keeping him from something? So you need to get off? No, sir. You can keep him as long as you want. Just bring him back. Okay. I saw some of your beautiful embroidery work you do on those hats back there. Oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> we might have to talk. I have to get you to start doing my stuff. We can talk. I love you. I'll be able I to love talk. you. Okay, babe. You're ready to get off now, aren't you? She's like, come on. Nah, she's going to her shop. Her shop's here at the house. So. All right, yeah. next question. Uh, Shep Guns. When you were flying, did you carry or have small arms close at hand? We, mm. we talked about that a little bit. Nowadays, what's your EDC pocket dump? So we talked about that, too. Yes, sir. Did you ever carry anything else, um, small arms wise, with you? No. What about when no. you were on the uh, the Cobras and the Apaches? What kind of uh, small arms were you guys carrying there? Pit or pistol? Yeah, that's all you could get in my cockpit. Let's get a pistol. They didn't have like any um, SBRs or anything like that that put under the seats. No, in the one sixty that they used to carry MP fives, and after. Mogadishu, they're like, no, we need to go back to a rifle because that, you know, a great weapon, German design for CQB for close quarter battle. Yeah. And, you know, they needed that standoff. They needed to be able to engage targets at 100, 150, 200 meters. You couldn't do it with the MP5. Yeah. So that's when they transitioned back to the M4. No, great rifles, man. I love that rifle. And with, you know, we we shot Hornady ammo, and it was very accurate. 
75 grainers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's good ammo. Old Tennessean, what's your favorite metal for making your blades and why? 80 CRV2. It's a newer steel as far as high carbon steels go. It's got the chromium in it. It it maintains I and just all the reading and research and talking to knife makers that edge retention is much better than like 1095 or 1080, 1084 steel. And on the on stainless steel, I like the AEBL. It's an old, old stainless. It was developed in 1954. And it was used to make razor blades back in the day. But it's, yeah, it's really good knife steel. Uh, of course, your Rockwell hardness is, goes up with stainless as compared to high carbon steels. Right. So, and stainless does not rust. <laughs> high carbon steel does. What's your, what's your favorite blade to make design wise? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, the dagger, it, most guys hate making daggers cause it's, they're just hard to make and, but I, I truly enjoy, yeah, I love making daggers. Making a good dagger. What's the, the longest or longest blade you've made? Oh, chef knife. Yeah. That chef knife? Yep. That blade right there. That's a nice one. Thank you. Are you going to do a whole cutlery set now one day? Well, I did one for Edie. I just this is a stainless. Oh, that's yeah, knife. that's beautiful. I made Edie a set of these, so yeah, stainless because they Damascus is it, it's cool, but well, you want your kitchen for, uh, blades to be. Yeah, stainless. it's hard to take care of. I mean, you have to keep it oiled and the Damascus, yeah, Damascus, yes sir. Um. B. Hurst, what's the craziest thing you've done in flight? <laughs> Loops and rolls. That you can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Loops and rolls and in a you, helicopter. Do you do it in all three of them? No. You can't do it in a Cobra because of the rotor system. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a semi in the Bell product. Well, in the old Bell products, so you're 58, you're... Huey, your Cobra, they're semi-rigid rotor systems. And you can't, yeah, they can't take negative Gs. They can do it once. <laughs> it snaps the mast off. You can off. do anything once, right? And then you plummet to the earth. Yeah, you get into mass bumping. But the the MD and the, the new Cobra, the new Huey, they've got fully articulated rotor systems. Yeah, they're fully aerobatic. Yeah, they're fun. It's a 1G maneuver. Hey, you remember that movie, uh, was it Blue Thunder? Yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Was that a Cobra? No, that was some mock-up. I don't know what that was. It was some Hollywood mock-up they did. Jan Michael Vincent. Was that Jan Michael Vincent? Roy Scheider. Yeah. Roy Scheider and Jan Michael. And Jan Michael Vincent. Yeah. Jan Michael Blue. Vincent was in... Um, that Burt Reynolds movie was it Hooper? Was it Stuntman? Yeah. Stuntman. Yeah, that's. Oh, he was Airwolf too. That's where Jan, Jan Michael Vincent was Airwolf. Airwolf. Yeah, yeah, Airwolf. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. Airwolf. That was a. That was a great TV show. Yeah. Uh, let's see. 
sure I got them all here. That's all I'm going to do with the with the questions because I want to get you. I want to do the new guy questions with you. Yeah. So that was absolutely. our list of questions, we'll, and we'll go. We'll pick a winner when we get done with the new guy questions. Okay. For uh, for your swag pack there. Sure. All right. So I've got this line of questions that I asked my new guests. It's the first time you've been on. And I think I asked, I think Jared went through these. So hopefully he didn't prepare you for them. Cause there's no, he, didn't. he wouldn't tell me. They're supposed <laughs> to be quick off, off the hip kind of deal. So we know that you've, you've got military service. Thank you for your service. Um, we kind of talked a little bit about the beginning of that. Your father was in the military. So, you know, it's kind of in your blood to, to serve. Uh, you have children. Yes, two girls. Two girls, two daughters. Are they, do they serve in the military? Absolutely not. No. They lived, they're war babies and didn't want any part of it. Gotcha. And that's fine. There's, there's yeah, that is. That. That is. Well, so how'd you meet your wife? Is that too personal? Match.com. For real? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. She was Saddle Bronc Mom and my call sign was Loves to Fly. Look at that. Married almost six years now. Match.com. That wasn't expecting that answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. I guess I might need to start uh, doing the apps again. I absolutely recommend it. Who knows? All right. Yeah. Um, what is, would you say, the greatest, how do I word this? Because you served, you served 22 years. You saw combat. You saw a lot of combat. Yes. Um, words of wisdom, I would guess. What 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 is the the greatest thing that you learned from all your 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 years of service to the country? Never ever quit. Never quit. I don't care. And, and I I'm fortunate enough. I I get to work with kids and and teenagers and young adults men and women and i'm very involved in in my community here we have 11 grandchildren oh wow yeah there's always something going on so 4-h and sports and and all kinds of stuff sports and dance and but all every young person even young guys that come here to blades for brothers um you know i tell them I said, I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how dark or or how dark you are or how deep that dark place is. Never, ever quit. I don't care, man. You're going to have to get junkyard dog mean if you know what that with that. J-Y-V. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Just don't ever quit, man. Ever. Yeah. I've been in some pretty shitty situations and it was just through my faith and just, yeah. And our motto, night stalkers don't quit. NSDQ. Yeah. That's a fact. Would would you recommend the military for, for, because it's a different military than when you went in. Would you recommend the military uh, as a solid path for a, a young individual these days? Absolutely. You bet. 100%. And, I, you know, when I enlisted, I was at a, at a 
a time and a place in my life. I didn't know where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to go back to school and that was, that was a vehicle, you know, I could get GI bill and yes. And, and the, the leadership that you get the, I mean, there's so many positive things that you will get for life, life skills in the military. If you just do one hitch, you know, you'll gain that, those, that knowledge and leadership skills that you will not ever get anywhere else. And you will make friends that you will be friends for the rest of your life. Yes. Yep. It's a great place to start. It is. Very well said. What is your greatest pucker factor moment? Greatest pucker? Well, Would it be the, the crash or is there, is there another pucker factor yeah. moment? Yeah, it was the Battle of Haditha Dam. Battle of Haditha Dam. Tell us about Haditha that. That was the biggest battle of the Iraqi war. And it was our two AH-6s and 138 Rangers and a few Delta guys. And there, there's, I wrote about it. That was my first big story that I wrote for Geo that got posted. Oh, okay. And yeah, it was, it, it, it was crazy, but it, it was, yeah. It, How long was, was that battle? It's the biggest chapter of my book. Okay, it's in the book. Okay, cool. The Battle of Haditha Dam. But when we were coming in, and we were actually below the dam, over the lake, and the rangers on the west, in the west blocking position were seconds from being overrun by force, by company-sized elements, so 100 dudes. They were Fedayeen and Republican guards, very highly trained soldiers. And we, 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 we turned a corner and I looked over at a dude I was flying with and we said at the same time, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. Just, and the, the best way I can explain it is imagine a Rolling Stones concert in London, England, when they come on stage and all the flashes <laughs> out there, thousands Right. That's what the tracers looked like. Oh gosh, the dam, and my butt puckered. I was like, "We're gonna die." Yeah, but it's all good. But I well, shot our didn't. first. Pardon. I said obviously and thankfully you didn't. Yeah, and and our first engagement at the dam the first night, which we were there for seven days and nights, was twelve meters in front of those rangers. Twelve meters. Wow. They were about to be overrun. Yeah. Yeah. And so you guys got to get the book. Got to yeah, get the book. Yeah, it's it's a good read, man. Hold the it's, book up again. You got it right there? Is it handy? Yes. Yeah, hold, So Death Waits in the Dark. You guys got to get this. Get the audio and you read it, I understand. You you read the Yeah. You're the um, narrator. <laughs> yep, I read it. Yeah, Kyle Lamb, he was a great influencer on that decision. There's the back of the book. Very cool. My lovely wife, Edie. Yeah, I'm proud of it, man. It's 
Yeah, it's it's history, and you know, I wrote it for my kids, my grandkids, and future warriors. So when you were over there, um, eleven tours, man, jeez, I can't imagine. Uh, and I'm sure it probably changed, but what was kind of your your motivational music, or what was your motivation before you'd go into a mission? What did you do? CCR, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I'd read some scripture. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, take up the full armor of God. Yeah, he tells us. People would ask me, well, my God, man, don't, don't you have fear? Aren't you in fear? No. Because the good Lord told us, fear not, for I am with you. But, man, I was scared shitless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was scared. Yeah. It's good to be scared. Well, I mean, it lets you know you're alive, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. That's how you know yeah, you're alive. You know, I said, if it's my day, it's my day, man. I'm going to go. I'm with my brothers. I'm doing what I love. And I know where I'm going, man. It's all good. So growing up, um, and you, it sounds like you moved around a little bit growing up with your dad being in the, the military. Um, what is your earliest recollection of of shooting a gun, shooting a firearm? Oh, goodness. I was probably six, seven, 22 rifle. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Your dad took you out? No, Pop was gone. He was gone all the time. And it was, it was probably my Uncle Jim. He he pretty much raised me, especially after they divorced. And, yeah. And, yeah, that's you, my earliest You still have that 22? No, I do not. You don't? Yeah. I did. I got the first shotgun I ever bought. I was going to say, the next question is going to be, what's uh, was the first gun or firearm you bought yourself? Yeah, it was 12-gauge pump. Still got it. It was 14. 14 years old. That's back in the good old days, right? Sure. Walk into yep. Sears and Roebuck. <laughs> I was a pretty big kid, you know, so I can handle it. I can shoot that 12-gauge. <laughs> Did you grow up yes, hunting? Sir. Pardon? Did you grow up hunting? Oh, yeah. Yeah, chasing critters and hunting, fishing. I ran a trap line. Yeah, it was, it was just a way of life. How old were you when you um, joined the military? 25. You're 25. I was old. Man. Earlier, I was old in basic training. <laughs> you were talking about how you uh, did the rodeo and all that. Obviously, you did that before. You got into the military? Yeah. yeah. I continued, too, after I got in the Army. Yeah, the military, had, they did have their own cowboy association, the MRCA, Military Rodeo Cowboy Association. I, I rodeo knit. And cool. Yeah, I went to the finals every year. and Yeah, won a couple of national championships. Did you ever so, get injured doing that? Not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. Mostly bulldogging. How did you get into that? Pardon? How did you get into the the cowboy life, the rodeoing? I was growing up on a farm and ranching and having cattle and horses. Yeah, we rode horses when I was a little bitty. Well, my mother told me I I attended my first rodeo in Santa Maria, California when I was six weeks old. (laughs) So there you have it. There it is. Yeah. You're born to it. Yeah, cowboy way of life, it's, it's, you know... 
just like any other, but you know, it's just great people and down to earth with core values. And that's how I was raised. And yeah, I, I look back and I'm thankful for that. Right. I mean, it's hard, hard work. My whole life was hard, hard work. I mean, I've dug ditches and built fences and poured concrete and worked in the oil field and was in the army. So yeah, it's hard work, man. Hard life. Hard Being life. in a special operations unit is hard, hard work. And it's easy to quit. Never yeah. quit. You just got to work hard, man. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit. When, uh, so you, the shotgun was your first firearm that you purchased, 12 gauge. Yeah. Still on yes. it. Awesome. Um, and when you got in the military, was that your first experience with auto firearms? Yeah. Yes. Yes, sir. Pretty much. Full auto. Full auto, yeah. Yeah. And well, yeah, I, I had bought an AR when I was 18 or 19. Yeah. What year was that? 78, 79. Okay. Yeah, pre. Yeah, it's pre. That's pre, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had a triangle handguard. A bayonet, you know. Do you still have that? No, I wish I did. Oh, wow, yeah. I was a poor cowboy, man. I needed money for entry fees or horse feed or something. I sold it. I had to sell it, yeah. I hear you. shot coyotes with it. When it it comes to uh, pop culture, like Mm -hmm. whether it's a movie or TV show, uh, maybe it's you know, reading a book or a magazine or something like that, or podcast nowadays, you know, a lot of people do that. What's your, what's your kind of just, if you've got the time and availability, you're going to sit down and either watch it or listen to it or read it. Well, I love to read. I've always, I read, read, read all the time. My grandmother was an English. I can't, I was grew up in a family of educators my mother's a school teacher, my grandmother, my uncle, my grandfather, aunts. Yeah, I was always reading. I've read thousands of books. I read everything from Hemingway to Brad Thor, you know, or Greg Grave Coker. <laughs> yeah, there's some. Yeah, and I've, I've always. Yeah, are I've you more read, into the fiction or are you more into. Uh, educational, reality, biography type stuff. History? Yeah, history. Yeah. Anything history related from, you know, the Persians and the 8th century to the Crusaders, the Templars, uh, up to current, current times. Yeah, that. And, man, I sure did love Ted Lasso. I don't know (laughs) if you've seen that show. I haven't seen that. I highly recommend Ted Lasso. Okay. It, it's one of the best shows I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. And what yeah. is it about Ted Lasso that you like? I like the, I loved Roy, the personality. He was a very famous football player in England. And yeah, just the whole, I mean, it's, it'll make you laugh. It'll make you want to cry. It's, yeah, it's just real. Okay. It's real. I've yeah, heard really people talk about it, it, but I didn't know yeah. what it was. I didn't know what it was actually about. No. 
Oh, movies. Gosh, man. Top Gun. That's your favorite movie, isn't it? The new one was. <laughs> you know, the first one really inspired me for, again, to get for flight and you had to go be an aviator. And, That's exactly what got me into aviation. You know, a fighter pilot. I wanted to be in an Army fighter pilot, man. Fly attack helicopters. I wanted to be and, a naval aviator. <laughs> <clears throat> I thought about it, but. Man, monkeys can fly airplanes, dude. Take some, <laughs> take a real guy, man. To Here fly comes the helicopter pilot in you. Yeah. <laughs> well, gun pilots are the smartest pilots on the planet, so they test us, and they only take the ones with a high IQ. I mean, it's just a fact, right? It is. It's it is a fact. fact. Yeah, they test us. And... I've been getting into the spaghetti westerns. Uh, Clint couple. Eastwood, man, hang them high and Terrence, yeah. Terrence Hill and yes. Bud Spencer. They call me Trinity. They call me Trinity. I watched uh, all of them multiple times. Yep, I love them. That dude is one fast pistolero. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fake yep. at all, but yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, many many years ago, late at night, one two o'clock in the morning. They used to have, it was black and white. I couldn't, I haven't been able to find it, but it's called Tinseltown Cowboys. Okay. And it was a Western. And I mean, there were, I don't know how many, several, but they were all, I don't know the politically correct way to say this, but the whole cast were midgets. <laughs> and they had miniature horse, they rode miniature horses and had, calves out there for cattle and it was we would laugh and laugh and laugh they were funny i've not heard of that one i'll have to check that one out Tinseltown cowboys so i just pulled it up here golly that's back in the 70s and early 80s Tinseltown talks they're little people it's not even coming up on my search here I'll have to find that one. No. What about, I, I figured you'd say Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was one of your favorite movies. Yeah, it, it's another classic. Of course, all the John Wayne, the Cowboys. Yeah, probably one of my the train favorites. robberies, yeah, all those. Yeah. <laughs> hey, watch out now. Hey, I didn't say anything. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> Lonesome Dove, Captain Call, Captain McCray. Yeah. Know. Old Blue Duck, all the old westerns, uh, Green Berets with John Wayne. Yeah, they're always easy go to. Oh yeah, you sit and watch those all the time. Apocalypse Now, for as crazy as it is, I, I got to be in the mood for that one though. That one's yeah, I got to be amped up for that. Yeah, yes yeah, sir. Yeah. So, um, what is your next? As soon as you get the opportunity. You're just gonna you're gonna go out and you're gonna own it. What is your next gotta have? Wanna have? Uh, get get our shop finished so we can get vets and first responders in. No, here, no, man. personal. Just personal. Be selfish about this. You know, it could be anything. It you know doesn't have to be a gun or a knife or anything like that. It's just like you know I've really been wanting one of those. I'm gonna go get it. I have everything I could ever got want. Got it all, huh? Yeah. Okay. Not yeah. a pair of shoes, maybe, or something like that, or maybe something no. for the your next hunting 
outage. Like I could really use that on my next hunt. No, I'm a minimalist. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's web- let's I do this. Ammo. I got lots of ammo. Let's let's uh, go to the next question then. The next question is: Laws be damned, money be damned, rules be damned. Throw all that out the window. It doesn't matter. You could have or do anything that you want. Mm. I could have anything I want. You can have or do, or both. An AH6I. Completely armed and an endless supply of ammunition to include rockets. <laughs> rockets and bullets. <laughs> yeah. And a yes, mechanic sir. to keep it up to up to specs. Yes. yes. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. I would have fun. Now, is, is I get it, really cool helicopter hog hunts. Will you own one one day? Will you, no, will you buy I your own personal one? one? I could afford the insurance, man. <laughs> Shoot, you'll be able to afford one. <clears throat> nah. Um, what is your go-to beverage? What's your favorite beverage of choice? Could be anything. Sweet tea. Sweet, sweet tea. tea. I like sweet tea too, sir. Or good Irish whiskey. Is there a certain brand of Irish? Middleton. Middleton's? Middleton's. I've heard of Middleton's, yeah. Yeah, it's about $380 a bottle. That's yes, some good sir. whiskey right there. Yes, it is. Very good. Very good. I'm a bourbon or, guy. I like bourbon. <clears throat> yeah, man. There's Man, the bourbon world has exploded. Yeah. Yeah. TX is really good. It's made right here in Fort Worth. I actually met the guys that started that company and oh yeah 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 they want to sponsor a podcast pardon i said do they want to sponsor a podcast (laughs) i don't know man get a hold of them i'm sure they would dx i like it yeah oh hell yeah 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 it's it's pretty good bourbon yeah so we talked about your pucker factor moment (laughs) yeah is so in all your years of of flying in all these strange and and weird exotic places around the world have you ever ever seen anything that you couldn't explain yes talk about that yes <laughs> you're going to laugh no it was out there at area 51 in nevada you were in area 51 well we were outside looking in but yeah oh, we were out there training yeah i saw some yeah i saw some odd stuff out and around there describe it lights uh, yeah where there shouldn't have been any lights very fast moving objects moving yeah. moving in ways that defy physics Anything and everything we had in the inventory, or anything I knew about, and I had a, I had a, a, the highest security clearance you could have. <laughs> you know, what, would, so. what would what would your speculations be as to what you were seeing? Some test aircraft, probably, or 
Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Something of ours, though, right? Not extraterrestrial. Yeah. No, not ET. Yeah. So no. I take it you don't believe in extraterrestrials, aliens. No, sir. You believe that this we is We got the... plenty of aliens in south of the border here. <laughs> Coming across the border all the time. Yeah, man. They're building an army. That's my theory. Well, I mean, look at all the 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 criminals and everything that are coming through. So it's got to yeah. be. And they're not just Mexicans. There's... No, the Middle Eastern. Middle Eastern that are coming through. Or Chechens or... Yeah. Better be... Better wake up, America. Terrorist scum. Terrorists. Terrorists. They're coming. So you don't believe that there's life outside of Earth? No. In this vast cosmos that we are surrounded by? No, sir. Okay. No. So what no. about this? On Earth... What about Bigfoot? Man, I don't know. Or Nessie, Loch Ness monster. Yeah, I've pretty much ruled Nessie out. I don't. Yeah, I, I think they. I think they've pretty much proven that there's no Loch Ness monster, but yeah. Bigfoot now, it's possible. Yeah. Could be. I think it's probable. Probable. <laughs> plausible. It's plausible that there's a creature like Bigfoot running around. Yeah. If I put together a hunt to go hunt Bigfoot, not kill him, just no, let's go hunt him, just to prove, you know, that would you go? Absolutely, I go. I'd take me a pocket full of Slim Jims too. <laughs> Snap it to a Slim Jim. Snap remember, it to a Slim Jim. Randy Macho Man Savage, remember that? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. What, That'd be fun. What equipment would you take? What gear would you pack for that that hunt that trip? Definitely, and the six night vision and some and a bunch of thermals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some drones. Oh yeah, drones. Yeah, yeah. And a couple helicopters. We can fly around, you know. If I get the money, I'm going to put together that hunt. I'll invite you. Cool. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. We got it. We got to get your buddy that's got the the little bird. Yes. And we'll kit it up with all the. The thermals and you infrareds bet. and LIDAR, everything. Put a thermal pod on it and Hell go yeah. fly around. I love that. Attention business owners. Are you ready to take your marketing game to the next level? Look no further than Black Tie Digital Marketing, the firearm-friendly, full-service agency that delivers results. We've worked with industry giants like Keltec, Spikes Tactical, and Armalite, and we even designed the kick-ass new logo at Talkin' Lead. At Black Tie, we blend creativity and data-driven strategies to ensure your message hits the mark every time. From high-end custom websites, graphic design, to inbound marketing campaigns, and everything in between, we've got you covered. Your success is our priority. Join the ranks of the industry's top players and give your business the boost it deserves. Experience the power of Black Tie today. Visit blacktiedigital.com or call one 800 316-8030 to schedule your free consultation. That's Black Tie Digital Marketing, where firepower meets marketing power. Black Tie Digital Marketing is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead Podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. Is there a piece of kit or gear that you used uh, 
during your service that maybe you're a little ashamed to admit that you used? Mm, piece of gear kit ashamed that I used. Yeah. Baby wipes. That if your if your friends found out about it, they'd bust your chops over it. Nah, we all use baby wipes. Uh, it just makes you fresh uh, and so clean. Again, pardon? I said they just make you fresh and so clean. I, oh yeah, that, I use that's baby wipes of- today. <laughs> We called it our shit kit. So you had Charmin, uh, big <laughs> Ziploc, it's a baby wipe. <laughs> Dude, it's like, <laughs> yeah. No, and you know what? I'm, I'm a minimalist and and proudly a, a Boy Scout, and they were a huge, huge part of my upbringing. And as as a young man, as a as a kid to a teenager to yeah, and um, I had. Amazing scoutmasters, one of them bitten off that. You know, we go out camping and yeah. we would learn how to set booby traps. More survivalist than anything, right? LPOPs and oh man, he is he was just the coolest. He's one of my heroes. Uh, that's how the Boy Scouts should be. <clears throat> it should be, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't make it as a scoutmaster today, so Oh no. No. You, yeah, you identify too um, too masculine. <laughs> yes, yes. Toxic yeah. masculinity. You're intimidating my child. Yeah, well, my little girl, because girls are in the Boy Scouts now. Yeah, yeah, that kind of broke my heart. Yeah, mine too. We were talking about that the other day. Yeah. All right. Next question. This is the last one. Okay. Final question. If you could spend the day at the range with anyone uh, it could be a group of people it could be one person they could be fictional alive or dead fictional alive or dead yeah who would you like to spend the day at the range with well ah. Teddy Roosevelt oh Theodore okay Teddy Bear was named after him. President Roosevelt. Him, and and then I would like to have the two captains, so Captain McCray and Captain Call with me. <laughs> there you go. That'd be a hoot, That'd be a fun man. group. <clears throat> I think the old Rough Rider Roosevelt and those Texas Rangers would have a good time. Oh, yeah. No doubt. If you could pick yeah. any era of firearm and... That's what you had to run with. What what era of firearm would you go with? Modern day. You do the modern day firearms. Now, and, and I'll I'll proceed it with this modern day, but the nineteen eleven. That's still modern and, day. Oh yes, and uh, yeah, those those grand M one grand. Yeah, and I I own them both and. Let me yeah, ask you this. Yeah. I do I do this show. It's called the uh, AK Corner. Yes. Um, and we just talk AKs on there. And given the uh, the missions and, and your tours of duty where you served, did you have any experience with the AKs? Sure. Yes. Yeah, we learned them and fired them. And great weapons. I mean, they are. Yeah. 
Yeah. They're designed to work. Not real accurate, but doggone, man. They sure have taken a lot of American lives and others. So, yeah. Yeah. I have one. You got one? Yep. Never been fired and only dropped once. Is it a, is it a Russian made? Do you know? Yes. Yes. Russian made. Very nice. Yeah. Maybe you can show me that off air. I'd like to see that. Yes, sir. I'm into AKs. I got a yeah, I saw, I saw that. That's cool. Got a couple yeah. of AKs there. Well, um, let's go ahead and award our winner now. Cool. For our for our um, swag, it was whether they to get a hat and a couple of patches. And yeah, a, and a book. And a hat of their choice of the three there. Blades for Brothers, Shield 9-1, and Death Weights in the Dark, and then some stickers, same. Okay, very cool. So, going to get a nice swag package from Greg, Brothers with Blades. Um, of the questions that I read, do you remember the ones I read? Which was your favorite out of those? Doggone mm. oh, it. we go through and read them again? There was one that no, there was one that's I don't remember his handle. Uh, but he asked about favorite helicopter and why. Favorite helicopter, let's see. I think that's what I asked. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> oh, was it? Oh, <laughs> uh, let's no, see. I thought there was a What's your favorite asked? blade shape for fighting versus favorite make? Looking forward to our chat. What is your favorite aircraft to fly and why? Yes. That's the one. That is Jared Link. Jared. J-E-R-A-R-D dot Link. Jared, you are the winner of Greg's Swag Pack. So email me, talkinglate at gmail.com. Going to need your mailing address. And um, email, guess, I'll send him an audible book too. There you go, in your email, and you get you get the audible book. So, congratulations, and appreciate everyone taking the time. Uh, sorry yeah, for, the, for the questions. Sorry for the late post. I normally get the post out quicker than I did, Greg, to give everybody an opportunity. So, uh, if you didn't have an opportunity and you still have questions for Greg, you can get in touch with Greg. Uh, you can go to that website. You're on Instagram too. At yep. The Blades for Brothers, right? Yes, sir. Shield 9-1 is my, and then Blades for Brothers, Facebook, Instagram. What, you got a personal one? Yeah, Shield 9-1. Oh, am I following that? I don't think I you am. should. I need to be. S-H-I-L-D, Shield 9-1. Yes, sir. There you are right there. Okay. And now I am following you. I just corrected myself. Oh, cool. So I yeah. thought the Blades for Brothers was the only one that you had. So that's. No, yeah. I've had Shield and I won for. That's my company, my training company. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, real quick, Lefty. So one of my Blades for Brothers vets, he started coming in here and he was one of the vets that I gifted a, a grinder to here a couple of weeks ago. And this dude, he's on fire, man. But he he made this blade, right? We made the Damascus steel right here. Oh, yeah. He just started making knives. Look at this thing. I mean, he's got hand-filed 
spying on the. He's been watching Forged in Fire, hasn't he? <laughs> He's been watching something. But that's I mean, beautiful. This thing's beautiful. He and he gifted it to us. Oh, he was a oh. combat engineer in the army, Purple Heart recipient, and we're we're. Uh, I just thought we're raffling it off. Twenty oh, okay. bucks. Twenty bucks. Twenty bucks a ticket. Apple ticket. And where can they do that at? At Blades for Brothers. It's on Blades for Brothers? Okay. Yeah. You can, and I just put it on my Instagram, on Blades for Brothers Instagram. His call sign on Instagram is Sapper Yoda. Y-O-T-A. He donated one of his first blades. I mean, this thing's beautiful. It's Damascus steel. It's, It's cool. Yeah, twenty bucks buys you a raffle ticket, and then we'll he'll ra- it's only two days or left too. Okay. Well, by the time they hear this, it'll be over with. Um, this ain't going out yeah. till next week, so. Oh, that's right. Sorry, sorry. No this worries. is this is our first episode in October, so. Um, Good. We Greg, we've had this awesome big ass giveaway that we've been doing through the month of September, and Jared took took place in it with STA blades. He donated a blade for that giveaway and it's one person's going to win everything. It's over $6,000 in prizes. We gave away three guns. There's a pistol, rifle, shotgun. There's a gun case that would hold all that. We gave ammo for your, for your firearms, custom holsters. There's our new logo swag, which I don't have any of my new logo swag on today, but We've got that. We've got optics for the for the firearms from Vortex. Enforced oh. lights for the weapon lights that are on there. Nice. Uh, Ear Pro, Eye Pro, everything. So I appreciate everybody taking part in our giveaway. It was awesome. We had thousands and thousands of, of entrants in that. Good. And congratulations to our winner. Congratulations. Yeah. So, Greg, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, Thank you. Some of the best best stories I've heard, and they only get better in his book. So, guys, make sure you go and get Greg's book. And you can go to the website. Do you have your own website for the book also? Yes. It's on bladesforbrothers.com. Okay. Go to bladesforbrothers.com. Everything on the – instead of having three or four websites, I just – Put it just all combine in it right there. Yeah. And Crusader Forge, is that the name of your forge? Yes, sir. Okay. I like it. I like I like your logo. Like again, you know, again, uh, fellow brothers in search of light. <laughs> we are on a crusade. We are. You, whether you whether you like it or not. There is a crusade out there. So Leadheads, go support all our sponsors, all the the companies and people that make this show possible each and every week. Mission First Tactical, Seal One, Factory 47, Defiant Munitions, Keltech, our good buddies at Keltech Weapons. Uh, yeah. Let's show them the love and let them know how much you appreciate it so we can get them back and they will continue. So our... Skype just got shut down. We probably went over our time limit. I don't know what the deal was there. Uh, but again, go show all of our sponsors the love, especially Caltech, and use those discount codes. Uh, get them out in all the other shows. I'll get them out real quick again. Caltech is Leadhead. Get 15% off. Fish First Tacticals. 
Leadhead. You get 20% off. Seal 1. You use the code Leadhead. You get 25% off there. Factory 47 for our AK Corner logo items. Leadhead. You get 10% off there. Defiant Munitions. All caps. Leadhead. 10% off Defiant Munitions. Medicine in Bad Places. Leadhead or Leadhead 20. Uh, one of those will work. It'll get you 20% off. Medicine in Bad Places. Uh, and then Lockdown. You use the code LEADHEAD, get 10% off. Cracking, 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 cracking cases, talking lead, 10% off. And then, of course, our sponsors, Four Patriots, always be prepared with any disaster in your life, catastrophe, unforeseen, mishap. Four Patriots has anything and everything you need there for power, for food, for, for water. Check them out, fourpatriots.com. All caps, LEADHEAD, 10% off your first purchase. So, Leadheads, until the next episode, as always, keep your loved ones close and your firearms closer. And always remember, if it ain't written, it never happened. It never happened.